It is the natural instinct of a mom. Men yeah. were yeah. men were primitively going out yeah. to collect food and defend the village, but the yeah. women were defending the individual children yeah. and the individual yeah. I mean, any, units of the home. Every, I mean, every family unit I know, the mom is definitely more responsible with the well-being and care of the kid. Even the moms that I know are in marriages where they deeply value the significance of being submissive. Like they put their husband and his role above everything. They're very serious about portraying that to the world in everything they do, right? being very biblical about everything that they say, being very careful about it. Even those moms put their names first as the contact number one on the cards. I have never had somebody put a dad's name first on the card. Even in, in what they believe, their, their outward beliefs, they still felt that number one protective role. You are now tuned in to Stay Dangerous. Before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, Midas Gold Group. Uh, Midas Gold Group is a veteran-owned company, actually a Marine Corps veteran company, it makes it even better. <laughs> uh, and uh, James Clark has uh, become a friend of ours. He is the head of Midas, uh, Midas Gold Group, and they're a precious metals dealer and who I get my gold and silver from. If you uh, don't have hard, tangible cash, uh, right now is the time to have hard, tangible cash in case the world goes sideways, which it is. Uh, and uh, Midas Gold Group is the place to do that. You go to MidasGoldGroup.com after this episode. And if you mention my name, you'll get some free silver. And uh, I was just saying this in a recent episode. Uh, I love in partners, like when oh, our advertisers and partners, it's two way, right? They help us and then they advertise with us and then they benefit too. A lot of people have called off the show. Somebody called uh, a few episodes ago and called and gave, dropped my name and they did a million dollar transaction wow. and got some gold and silver. So yeah, it, was, it made me super happy for, for my school group and James and whoever that person is because it's, important to have right now. So I'm not actually stocking up yeah. on myself. You are, or are you doing it? I, I have a little bit. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to, trying to get more. Yeah. Get some yeah, points for sure. Uh, Can we have they Am make them in the shape of Legos. Oh yes. I bought some from a company one time what and that's what I gave it? my kids when they lose their teeth now, instead of nice. like little I Lego and they st actually stack. Tell yeah. me that's not an epic idea. That's yeah, it is. Yeah. Midas gold group. Yeah. yeah. Make some Lego gold. They're tiny. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty well, cool. Who wants a tooth fairy that leaves like a dime? Yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be the tooth fairy, you might as well be epic. It's yeah. true. Some Lego, yeah. some gold Go Lego. Go get out of the house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Guys, Amber is a, an amazing human being. Uh, I was very nice. Well, we have you here for a reason. Uh, <laughs> we have some amazing guests, but I, I'm super excited about this episode because I think so many people are going to really benefit from it. Uh, parents alike uh, and just everybody in general from what you do at Fieldcraft Survival. So I, I, I met you through Fieldcraft Survival. Me and Mike Glover have been friends for a long time. I was in Ukraine doing some rescue operations. We, uh, we had all these people that were dealing with all kinds of traumatic stuff. And you have a background as a nurse and you had a heart to help and you came out and, uh, and helped us there. Um, yeah. In fact, you and I went to the border and helped those uh, disabled kids and got to visit all these uh, some disabled adults and kids. And, uh, and then you stayed and did some uh, volunteering nursing stuff mm -hmm. and helped us with some IFAC kits. Yeah. It's only IFAC kits. So Fieldcraft, Fieldcraft has a lot of great products as far as IFAC kits, one of them. And then, uh, and then you're head of the uh, head of family preparedness, which is really why I want you here to talk about family preparedness. And uh, how'd you get into that? You're a nurse, you're a mom uh, of three amazing kids. And we just had lunch with them and they're, I know you're super <laughs> nervous right now because they're out. No, they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. I keep getting the thumbs up. So they're yeah. good. 
Yes. Yeah, but how'd you, how'd you get into I know, working it's, for, I call it my, I call it this my airplane story because everybody, okay. I'm always traveling for work and they ask. What do you do for work? And it's like, oh my gosh, we, go. we don't have enough time. Yeah. And I wanted to read a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to talk to you for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, because Fieldcraft's um, like all like dudes like Sean and I and yeah. then there's you. Yeah, yeah, they needed, they needed to soften their image a yeah, little bit, right? No. Yeah. So this was during lockdown. Okay. I born and raised South Louisiana. We're both Louisianians. Yeah, I love that. Um, this our, I mean, our Cajuns like, yes, resilient, dangerous. Oh my yes. gosh! What's going on? <laughs> yes, like, really. Yes. Did you not know that? It's a fact. It's in your blood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, fair even enough. even if the they ever take the United we're States, we're understated, <laughs> resilient. Like we don't talk about it a lot. We just are. Mm, you know. Okay. Yeah. Anybody who lives in the cone of uncertainty for every hurricane and deals with mosquitoes and that type of humidity has to be resilient. Yeah, and swamps. Swamps yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's an important tangent. Yeah, I mean, sitting so next to two, uh, what are you, Louisian, Louisianians. Louisianians. Hey, there's a lot of like. Do you? Is that, is do that you a call thing? yourself a Cajun? Because you, you are I, south of New Orleans. Oh, yeah. I'm like really south. Like, I'm like you're Bobby more, Boucher. You're Creole area. Yeah. Bobby Boucher, like Raceland, Homa, Thibodeau, like really south Louisiana. And uh, I'm like Timamu, old school Mardi Gras. <laughs> Cajun mm. country, P-Rows, yeah. alligators. Gotcha. You're like shrimping community. Shrimp boats and all my family were commercial fishermen. And I mean, talk about resilience. Like, I mean, yeah. usually my family, I worked all night running trot lines for catfish, like mm. hundreds of pounds of catfish a day. My first job was skinning fish. Like that was, that was, uh, you know, it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys in, uh, you see a lot of guys in the military special operations community. Come from Louisiana. Louisiana yeah. Mm. I think it's just that being my outside. My friends say, great, my friends say it's very alive mm. everything wants to kill you mm. nature's Fair just enough. trying to reclaim her stronghold really yeah yeah does feel like you need a passport to go there though <laughs> okay so yeah tell us tell us how you born got and raised south louisiana and my parents were just very preparedness minded i i grew up in a very rural area my dad was from a farming family um and when you're around heavy equipment and you're raised in an agriculture type family you just are normally pretty prepared you know you're situationally aware naturally if you don't you can get really hurt right okay. large animals large equipment and so and my my dad and my mom just leaned towards being more prepared and I never had to feel like of the vulnerabilities that exist when you're a young child in that area like a lot of my friends did um hurricanes they were prepared and if there was a lack of preparedness in one aspect I watched them figure out how to be resourceful and then get ready for the next time so that that didn't happen again you know so you always felt such a deep security in our house growing up I know myself and my brothers all did I have two brothers um and so being prepared instead of fearful was just the way that I was raised. And that's how I had raised my kids. And so 2020 came around and I just saw everybody operating from a state of paralysis. Mm. So fearful, especially moms. And that's who I resonate the most with is moms, young moms, you know, um, that's the season of life I'm in. And at the time, that's what my online community existed mainly of was young moms. And they were all terrified. The supply chains had had stopped or were very much shortened from what their, their normal movement was. They had such low response times from, um, first responders. And so they started to feel the fear of rioting and what the world looks like when it collapses and doesn't look the way that it had always looked when they were living in their comfort zones. Right. And so I just started to 
teach more about how to be prepared utilizing what you have in your house. Vitamins, different supplements were flying off the shelves. Everybody was leaning towards these certain modalities thinking that's what they needed to avoid COVID or that's what they needed to treat COVID. And so, yeah, yeah, toilet paper was absolutely necessary for beating that virus. But (laughs) um, just started to show them like, what foods can you implement into your life? Just very basic this is how we can operate. This is the lens we can see the world through versus the lens of fear. Hey folks, I got a shout out for our new awesome sponsor, Midas Gold Group. These guys are the real deal, a family business in precious metals for two generations run by Marine Corps veterans who are all about supporting veteran causes and putting America first. But the best part, they know that true financial freedom comes from owning private currency like gold and silver. If you're feeling a bit worried about the unknown and want to secure finances, look no further than Midas Gold Group. With all the crazy stuff happening these days, it's smart to be prepared. If you don't know, our financial data is stored electronically, from bank deposits to retirement accounts, and let's face it, our digital grid isn't exactly invincible. That's where owning gold and silver can save the day, and it's becoming a seriously compelling option. Now here's the scoop. Inflation is nibbling away at your dollar's buying power. And major players like Russia, China, India, and Saudi Arabia are making moves to trade oil in different currencies. This could shake things up big time as the dollar's stability depends on being the world's trade currency. The central bank digital currency is virtually already here with patents filed and big banks making plans. And Midas Gold Group sees potentially sketchy implications here. Will it mean the end of cold, hard-earned cash? Is it tied to social credit scores? Storing all our financial info on digital ledgers sounds pretty risky, doesn't it? That's why you can count on Midas Gold Group. They're here to lend a helping hand. They've got competitive pricing, top-notch service, and lightning-fast deliveries all across the United States and Canada. And get this, they can even show you how to use your IRA and old retirement plan to own physical gold and silver without getting hit by any additional tax implications. So listen up, folks. When it comes to precious metals, Midas Gold Group is the real deal and the only one I trust. Give them a ring at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653 or hit up their website at midasgoldgroup.com. That's midasgoldgroup.com. They're all about giving friendly, no pressure advice on precious metals. And guess what? If you drop my name, Chad Robichaud, they're throwing in some free silver with any qualifying account. You can't beat that, right? So don't wait around. Secure your financial future with Midas Gold Group. Swing by MidasGoldGroup.com or dial 855-322-4653 and make sure you mention Chad Show sent you. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. And you're doing this through like an online mom's, yeah. young mom's platform. Instagram, email, the, yeah. the places, like the platforms that I was communicating with people at the time, really. Mm-hmm. And everybody had a lot more time to spend on social media too. So they were just consuming what was being put out there. And there was so much fear. And so I think for, for them to feel like my posture was that of reliance on what you already had versus needing more or having a lack of, um, really gr- made people gravitate towards me a lot faster. But then when I started talking about medical and I was, mm. I specifically showed a video of, um, my oldest, she was six at the time and 
um, she was putting a tourniquet on and I was showing how easy it was to teach children even to use tourniquets on themselves or another individual. You have all this time on your hands. Why not learn some useful skills, you know? And I had tagged Fieldcraft. I really didn't know a lot about the company at the time. I had just, I knew I was looking for a cat tourniquet at the time and bought it through Fieldcraft. Like mm. they came up in a Google search and, um, they reached out to me, Michael did. And he was like, I need you to talk to the moms and women because we are growing at a rapid speed right now. You can imagine when society falls in that way, people are looking towards a preparedness company yeah. right. to help figure out what their next steps are. And he's like, I really need you to talk to the moms and the women. Can you make a few videos? Like we're trying to do it over here, but your voice resonates a lot better. You have a nursing background or in education you're the Joanna Gaines of preparedness. So right. can we just figure out how to make this work? So I did a few videos and that was at the time when he was standing up, um, American contingency. Yeah. yeah. And so, which he took a lot of heat for that. He did yeah. got labeled as a right wing militia real yeah. fast. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so bots don't let things like that go fast, mm -hmm. but, um, started making videos for that community. And it, it really took off, resonated really well with them. And I had, I mean, I had a multi-page PDF plan for family preparedness that I sent to him multiple times. Like when you really need to implement this, even if you don't use me, like you need to implement this. This is the criteria, the curriculum. These are the different topics you need to go with. Thought there was more of a structure in place for family preparedness there, realized it really didn't exist and I could do whatever I wanted. And so once I figured that out, it was just fair game, right? And yeah. so jumped in there and implemented the the family department and created a whole department for family, which includes women's curriculum too. So I was very adamant about building out especially defense courses that were specific to women um, just to capture that audience in a relevant, meaningful way that was different than what existed already and just really helped them navigate what our world looks like right now, what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I think pre-COVID, because uh, I was I, I taught it for my kid Fieldcraft Survival pre-COVID, and uh, it was all about like shooting and uh, overland survival and overland navigation. I taught uh, the um, bug out course, and it was really just a, lo a lot of that stuff. And then, I mean, when you came on, you totally changed that. Uh, the, I think the overall culture of uh, first of all Fieldcraft's survival changed, but then you brought a whole different life to it. Uh, and I think American contingencies was like the real realization that governments fail. Uh, police aren't always reliable. Um, uh, fire, not, fire service, not always reliable. And, and he tried to create this community where neighbor helps neighbor and we, mm -hmm. and we have preparedness. And, and I think you, you, you were a big part of that. And I, I was really enjoyed watching, uh, field craft morph into that sense. And by the way, those listening that might wonder what we're talking about, American contingencies when Mike put that effort out, it was really just trying to empower uh, the individuals to not have to be reliant on the police, not have to be reliant on fire, not have to be reliant on local government because the, the city of Chaz showed that, you know, people, the government's not coming to help. And he was just really trying to teach people the belt to do that and create a culture and environment to do that. And he got labeled as a right wing, wing militia as a domestic terrorist. And they went after his company and, uh, I mean, it was, it was scary to see that yeah. the government actually did that. And it was a very real thing. Anything that seems radical in contrast to, to normal society or what people are used to is going to be labeled. Canning right? food. <laughs> Canning and food AMCON and... still exists. Yeah. American contingency, we call it AMCON. It still heavily exists. 
and um, they do a lot of active work in their little local demographic areas. They're they're in divided between the the um, areas of the country. Um, they just do it a little bit quieter because demonetization is a thing. Mm. You know, you have to play the game in some regard, and and then sometimes mm. you don't. Yeah. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. Um, you just figure out where you have to play it and where you don't, and grow from there. But the people of Amcon do amazing work. Um, disasters, when there's disasters that strike, they have a ground force that's ready to go and take care of the Amcon members in the area and even people that aren't Amcon members. So I think we can resonate as Southerners who experience natural disasters on a regular basis, sadly. Um, and being from small rural town, that's part of life. And I, I guess I really didn't, I had that naive view of the world I went to college, but I went to college in Louisiana. I hadn't really gotten um, a larger perspective of what it looked like for everyone else in the world. And community is not as prevalent as a thing as I thought it was, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think about like, as you're talking, like in Louisiana, Louisiana growing up, we didn't wait for a hurricane to go by plywood <clears throat> to mortar by windows. We had that already done. You had either shutters or you had plywood pre-drilled holes. Right. And, uh, and then you went, do you, you knew who down in your neighborhood down the street, we knew who, you know, Miss Betty was because she was too old to do it herself. So we went, did, that's like the community, the preparedness, the forward thinking. And then you it's realize just, people, don't, just people don't just think that people don't think that way all the yeah. time. Like I, I remember after the, the last large hurricane we had in 2020, when I was, I had started with Fieldcraft at that point. So I had a few months under my belt, had gotten a bit more perspective and I was helping serve food at a local church because it takes a really long time for FEMA to get there. And people don't wait for FEMA. I mean, Google the Cajun Navy, you know, like yeah, yeah. it's a grassroots effort all the time. You're not mm -hmm. waiting for help. You're mm -hmm. figuring it out. You, you figured it out beforehand and then you're pivoting afterwards if you need to pivot. But no one's waiting for someone else to save them. That's just how people live, you know. Yeah. But dishing out meals and I have like my aunt on the side of me that's, you know, Miss Betty has diabetes. So let's set this one aside for her with this specific food. Just people knowing people and taking yeah. care of each other. That is not something that exists. And that's why Amcon was created. And so I think at first it was confusing for me because mm -hmm. I was like, why don't people just naturally have this? And then I realized, oh, they're recreating something that I grew up in, you know? Yeah. 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 Like they'll host, they hosted breaking bread events for a, for a long time at Fieldcraft and they still do where people come together and eat a meal. And Michael loves to talk about the benefit of it. And it is, it's a beautiful thing. But for me, I'm like, we do this every weekend. Yeah. You know, yeah. We've been doing this. I'm so sad that <laughs> yeah. people don't, that people aren't raised in this. They didn't grow up in this. Yeah. They don't understand the benefit of it. They didn't, it's not part of the reason that they have this fortitude. You yeah. know, community really does scaffold you. Yeah. I, I miss that growing up in Louisiana. And I, and I actually, I wrote about it in my book, Saving Aziz, how traveling and living in, living in the Middle East and going through the Middle East, it, it just always brings me back to home when you go see people just walking each other. They walk in their neighbor's homes. They go in their family's homes and show up. Uh, there's no knocking. Just walk in. and Just come and visit. Yeah, come and visit. And for no reason. And uh, like I grew up that way. And, uh, and then in adulthood, I never really witnessed that anywhere I've been. Mm -hmm. even, even as close as I've been in the military communities, uh, I've still never seen it to that level. And then I go over live in Afghanistan and as you know, at Aziz's house and neighbors are just walking in and they're all eating together. And yeah. I'm like, man, I, I kind of like admire this lifestyle and, and, uh, or just have a two hour lunch Yeah, and watch the young and the restless. I'm sure you probably would go from Louisiana. No, my grandparents, <laughs> they, they talked, they spilt the tea in French while they drink coffee mm. with their friends. <laughs> 
I was very good at French by the time I got to my French lessons in school because mm-hmm. I just wanted to pick up on that conversation. Yes. Uh, so I was uh, my both my parents spoke French, all four of my grandparents, and I was the first grand my old, oldest grandchild, and so I was the first one they stopped teaching it to. But I was doing the same thing. I was wanting to know what they were talking mm-hmm. about. Right? Yeah. Got hard yeah. to hide stuff from <laughs> me once I became more fluent. What so in fieldcraft that in the family readiness like would it break down like the different topics that you teach and, and advocate for? So you can imagine every topic that fieldcraft already taught like mm-hmm. mobility and self defense, public safety, all of that. It also falls under family safety or family defense. It just needs a different perspective. You need to approach it differently. You have mm-hmm. different criteria for training um, and different criteria for relaying it to the individual. And a lot of times you have different gear that goes along with it too. If there's gear, skill sets might have to be modified to account for age or gender. And so it it is already a lot of what we're doing. It's just a different take on it. It's not putting a different name on the same thing. Right. right. You have to recreate it. But then we also include things that are extremely relevant to children that encompass a lot more than just the tactical skills and and public safety, home safety. You know, that's a big one with families. Um, home defense, very different from public defense. They have different criteria for that there. Um, but then we also have things that fall under adventure categories, like teaching children how to navigate, how to start fires, how to collect water, things like that. Bushcraft skills for kids. Um, There's mobility considerations for kids and women because we're not necessarily trying to overland. We're just trying to go about our daily lives while being prepared mobility wise. Um, And then there's the homestead aspect, too. That includes things like food preservation or even just food storage, water preservation and water storage, things of that nature. Um, Medical. That's a huge one. So there's definitely different more. There's different and more criteria for children needs to encompass a little more than just what you have for adults. Um, so there's, there's a lot. What, um, EDC everyday carry, what's that shot, just a weapon, right? What is something that if you had, uh, you know, a a mom, what is something that the items that she should have on her at all times? Yeah. I think sometimes people get confused when you say EDC because your firearm or your self-defense weapon of choice is your EDC weapon. When you say EDC, people go straight to gun and it's not, it's the items you carry on an everyday basis. So that one's really fun to teach to women because they all EDC. They just don't recognize it. They all have a diaper bag or a Mm. backpack or a fanny pack. Um, And so once you get them to understand that's an everyday carry, they realize, Oh my, I have one foot in the door. I just need to be more comprehensive and more intentional with it. Keep it organized, make sure that I have relevant items in there. So I actually like to break that down with women into five categories. So communication, um, medical sustenance, personal, I'm missing one. It's going to come to me. No, that one's survival. (laughs) Survival. So it's included in survival. So I do the five for women because I can also use that for kids, transfer it over and it makes sense too. But I have them normally look through the contents of what they carry already Mm -hmm. and then figure out what fits in what category and what's missing. Because if you have everything, then you have a comprehensive EDC. And because it's really hard um, to show people what a specific EDC should look like because everybody's life is so vastly different, right? And so it's a lot easier to show them if you just hit your categories, but it fits you and your lifestyle. Somebody works in a courthouse, right? They can't carry a blade on them for their EDC. They definitely can't have a firearm, but we do need something in there for your survival slash safety. So we have to start looking at layers of redundancy and what you can use 
that can be included in that because your life is really different than my life, right? Or a school teacher, you know, they have different criteria for what they can carry with them. So teaching it that way Mm. seems to be a lot easier. I mean, just teaching them to have the items with them so that they can be reliant on themselves. What do you, what do your kids need from you on a regular basis? What what can you do to be a more prepared Mm. citizen? And, and then, carry your EDC that way. Yeah. So you know, know what you're going to carry, know where you're carrying it to be accessible to it and, and know how to use it as all the things I, I sort of always tell people, if you're going to have something, you, you need to know what it is, why you have it, where it's at. So it's accessible in a, a chaotic situation and you better know how to use it. So you train with it. Yeah. And be willing to pivot. Yeah. Be willing to pivot. like, don't freak out if the, the circumstances of your day or your season of life change and you have to change with it. You just have to pivot. And as long as you keep your categories in mind, you're good to go. Right. Yeah. I've heard you talk about, uh, EDC for your kids. What, what, what example, I know, like you said, each may be different, yeah. but what is it something that, that you. Have so, so out for the kids, they all have a right in the rain notebook. So that's their part of their comms is recording. You know, part of communication isn't just communicating outwardly. Sometimes it's retaining information for yourself. So the ability to write notes. Um, well, when I got to Poland, they had taken my phone. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. I was stuck at the airport for an hour and a half. I'm sure they knew I was coming meet you or something. <laughs> no telling what happened, but they pulled me off to the side and wouldn't answer any questions, took everything from me. And I didn't have my phone for an hour and a half. And then um, thankfully I had a notepad with me and I had written out Chad's phone number, mm. the address to the hotel I was supposed to be saying, staying at. And so I knew that even if, even if something happened, I couldn't get my phone back. I could communicate to Chad and, or find my way to where I was supposed to be going. So in that moment, I was so grateful for that right in the rain notebook. And that's just an example, but yeah, yeah. the kids carry right in the rain notebook. They all have a whistle. That's a version of comms for them mm. too, that they can signal. Um, they all have snacks, obviously a nutritionally dense snack because the brain has to be able to operate mm. for them to think critically. They all have ID cards. So that's something that is specific to me. Yes. I what is Michael's called it a um, blood shit? Is that what you guys called it? Is that what you, that's what they called it? Blood shit. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> I'm serious. That's what that he called it. Blood shit. Uh, but it. He was like, I think that's what you're talking about in an ID card. But that's okay. what they carried it on their person. It okay. had their um, blood type, different information oh, yeah. on it oh. that they hid in their kit. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I know, like you know, when if you're an assault force or something like that, you always have your blood type. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. written in your pocket. It's written. It's everywhere. Hey, guys. Chad Robichaud here. Are you ready to experience the greatest beef you'll ever taste while supporting an incredible cause? Well, get ready to sink your teeth into the irresistible beef from Skyros Cattle Company. At Skyros Ranch, where Mighty Oaks Foundation holds our West Coast legacy programs, Wayne Hughes Jr., the founder of Skyros Cattle Company, has dedicated over a decade to perfecting the art of raising premium beef. And guess what? You can now enjoy the fruits of his labor right in the comfort of your own home with the absolute highest quality beef you can find, hands down. And trust me, I'm a carnivore and I've tasted plenty of steaks and nothing comes close to a Skyro steak. These cattle are grass-fed and free of antibiotics, hormones, and vaccines. And for the last 10 years, I've personally watched these cattle graze 25,000 acres in Central Coast, California, and the taste is unbeatable. When you choose to purchase Skyro's beef, you're also making a difference by supporting the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Wayne is all about helping our deserving military and first responder communities 
through our faith-based resiliency and recovery programs. And every single penny of your purchase goes directly towards assisting our nation's warriors. Let me reiterate this, because it's crazy. 100% of the proceeds of Sky Rose Cattle goes directly to Mighty Oaks Foundation to support our nation's warriors. So let's join forces and make a positive impact one delicious bite at a time and head over to SkyRoseCattleCO.com. That's SkyRoseCattleCO.com today and order yourself some tender, juicy cuts of beef. Trust me, your taste buds will thank you. And one more little insider secret. Every warrior who goes through Mighty Oaks Legacy Program at Sky Rose will assure you that this beef is extraordinary and off the charts delicious. The very first thing our warriors get when they get to Mighty Oaks programs on Sky Rose Ranch is a delicious Sky Rose steak hanging off the side of their plates with a Sky Rose brand on it. And our warriors love them and you will too. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I remember my kids were younger. I, when I, if I took them to Disneyland or something like that, I got a black Sharpie. And I wrote, oh my my phone, I wrote my phone number Classy. on their chest. <laughs> so that would be the modern day ID card. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, um, these, these things that are people, I mean, this is great. You're talking about because people, you know, they don't think about these kinds of things, you know, like can your child, does your child, has it memorized your address? Do they even know how to call 911? What happens when they call 911? Yeah. You know, they know your phone number. Because yeah. Instead they know of like, mom, do they know dad. your name? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We run through or, or skits you mom. with yeah. my kids, sure. you know, and my son, I run through skits all the time where I, where I pretend like he calls 911 and I, I'm the operator and I don't want your emergency he has to explain something that I've gave him a scenario for mm-hmm. As people don't think about this kind of stuff. We live in this normalcy bias. Chad and I talk about this mm-hmm. a lot. And, you know, we normalize, you know, we, we view the world and what would be normal to us and, and things not d- things of disaster are not normal, you know, right. traumatic events are not normal. And so we refuse to prepare for them because we, they're not normal to us. And, uh, I think it's super important what you're doing and, you know, it's really cool. To but hear the prep also makes people super uncomfortable. Yes. Have you noticed that? I have. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of part of a huge part of what I teach to is mindset. So we get deep into neuro in all the courses I teach. I just feel like I'm doing them a disservice if I do not explain the way your brain and body function, especially yeah. before a self-defense scenario. Right. Cause if not, especially women who've never been introduced into a tactical setting, when they start to feel their F3 response, they feel weak Mm -hmm. and they feel like they don't really know how to operate in that realm Mm -hmm. of their, their brain having a a hijacking, you know, of that prefrontal cortex. Everybody's like just used to functioning up here. But when your primitive brain starts working, that can be very scary. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I teach this, I always tell people that your body can't go where you refuse to take your brain Mm -hmm. and your kids are the same way. And you're the same way with your kids. It is scary whenever you lose your children. I was at Disney with the kids in May and my oldest got separated from me in a restaurant standing right next to me. Stroller was moving between. She got separated, couldn't find me. And she knows my name and my phone number, but I make sure that they have their EDC, especially in high traffic areas with their ID card. Because when you go into your fight, flight, or freeze, sometimes you can't recall important information. Depends on how you're responding, right? And so I get a phone call from an unknown number and I'm immediately like, oh my God, oh. somebody found my kid. It's so cool though, actually. It's cool, honestly. but it's also like demoralizing when you're teaching everybody how to be safe. And I'm like, here a stranger yeah, is but, calling with my child. But she yeah. was safe because she knew what to do. So that that's pretty cool. She knew cool. exactly what to do. Yeah. We, we were in a, 
this is probably more embarrassing, but it's a long time ago, so I can share. <laughs> we, we, we were, actually, I was fighting in, in Shreveport, Louisiana. Now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were, we were um, me and Jared, all the guys from, from the, the gym. We yeah, were like, yeah. Alex Morano was there. Yeah. We, uh, we, we get to the place where we're fighting and my son Hunter always tagged along uh, with all the guys. He never like did kid stuff. All, his friends were my friends. And I, I just assumed he jumped in with someone else. And, oh my uh, gosh. We're at, the, we're at the fight arena and, and, uh, and, some, and I, I can't remember whose phone rang it, but he called someone else's phone. He had memorized because he's like kind of yeah, yeah, a yeah. rain man with phone numbers and he like remembered somebody's number and he called and the lady in the background's like, don't use up all my minutes, baby. Oh, <laughs> like, no. So he had somebody, he went up to some stranger the lady and she had like a prepaid phone <laughs> and he calls us. It's oh like, you guys gosh. forgot me. Yeah. And, uh, but he knew the number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've heard you talk about, and I think this is important too. And, and this is a scary thing for me, even, you know, um, teaching your children, um, who they can go to in those times. And mm-hmm. I've, I've heard yeah. you had a rule. I think it's a, is it a mom first, right? And yeah. then, then a dad, then a dad second, and then a uniformed person. Is that right? Someone um, that works in that facility or that looks like they work in that store or that location. Cause you don't want to teach your children to walk up to strangers, but at the same time, if they're lost, they need to have some, some breakdown right. of how they can find somebody. So yeah. Public um, safety is one of my favorite to teach because it's very layered because you yeah. actually can't effectively teach one concept until you've hit the baselines for it. Cause you have to give them context. I actually taught this class at a a homeschool group this week and it's so fun to teach kids because you have to do it carefully to not evoke fear for them to understand there is so much adventure out there for you, but, and safety and preparedness sound like not so much fun. Right. Right. But it actually opens up the door for it to be even more fun Yeah, because you don't have to worry about the things that could go wrong. And instead you can focus on, what you want to do and what's laid out before you because you know that you've accounted for what could go wrong. Like your daughter earlier. Have accounted your daughter for. earlier was like, wants to scuba dive, but she talked about what if her tank goes out. And, yeah. and right away I was like, that's scary for me too because it's happened to me before and this is what I have. And like the safety procedures of having a pony right. bottle and stuff like that is there. I mean, um, I think everything we do, we have to think of all the contingencies as adults or and why not our kids the same way. You have to have contingencies and you have to have safe safety protocols. People just aren't, naturally i mean they are naturally wired to do that it's a protective it's a protective instincts that are very primitive but we've gotten into the place of the normalcy bias and the complacency that mm-hmm. it's very uncomfortable and mm-hmm. it seems to go against the status quo to do that it seems wild it seems cultish sure, for some like, people like teaching your kid to put a tourniquet on yeah seems like extreme right but it's actually like not extreme could, at all. It's not extreme at all. It could yeah. save their lives or save your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I mean, what, at what age are you teaching some, like your, your child to put on a tourniquet? When they start to be tactically developmentally old enough to start manipulating like the windless rod on a tourniquet, mm-hmm. I'll start letting them play with it. So, I mean, I probably started my youngest when she was like three or four. She would mm-hmm. just handle it and play with it, got familiar with the parts, but they really can't. I mean, it depends on the development of the mm-hmm. child, but to apply enough force to the windlass rod to compress an actual bleed on a child, it wouldn't take much compression unless they had a little bit more fat or muscle in their mm-hmm. arms or their leg. Yeah. Um, but on an adult, it might be a little harder, you know, until they get to like six, seven, then yeah, they can yeah. really start binding down, down yeah. some force. I think, I really think that people would think that's even hearing us talk about now, I think that's extreme because people would automatically think tourniquet, gunshot wound, stabbing. Yeah. But most car accidents, people bleed at like yeah. 
people bleed out like a what home like home shop accidents with yeah. saws yeah. you yeah. know yeah absolutely yeah even i just took the kids to the beach and they were all talking on the way about shark attacks and all the things that could happen at the beach. And so one of the little kids with us was kind of like, I don't want to get hurt by a shark. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about the chances of that happening. I mean, we're, we're going in the ocean. So right. That could happen. But what would we do if that happened? Like, what's the main concern with that? Well, you'd bleed to death. Like, yeah, that's the main concern with a shark attack, with a shark bite. Yeah. But what could we do to account for that? Well, I have tourniquets in my beach bag. So, yeah. and we all know how to use them. You know, let's have a practice session with our tourniquet. And it seems wild, but you clear up the fear for the child immediately and they go on about their day. Yeah. And anybody that's experienced tragedy, the likelihood of it, is low, but I bet they were dang glad for the person that was there that had the supplies they needed yep. in that moment uh, Absolutely, for being the overzealous, overprepared person. Right. Yeah. Even when the, the Hattie called me from Disney and I got outside to the lady, she said, this is incredible. Where do I get one? I was like, well, here's my business card. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my website. I think actually one of the kids was like, give her your business card, mom. Like you're their teacher. My mom made that. <laughs> like she can't keep track of her kids, but she can teach you how. <laughs> no, that's awesome. MyPillow is celebrating their remarkable 20 year anniversary. And they want to thank each and every one of you for your support with an incredible offer. Right now you can grab a queen size MyPillow regulated price at $69.98 for just $19.98. And for just an additional $10, you can upgrade to the king size. To claim this unbeatable deal, head over to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square. Use promo code DANGEROUS to unlock Mike's amazing offer. You can also call at 1-800-941-0272. That's 1-800-941-0272 and use the same promo code DANGEROUS. MyPillow's patented fill adjusts to your exact needs, ensuring you get the best night's sleep ever. The anniversary celebration also brings deep discounts on all my pillow products from luxury bed sheets and cozy my slippers to soothing towels and comfortable mattresses. Now, let me share a personal secret with you. I've experienced the my pillow magic myself, and I can't help but rave about it. The pillows are amazing. I use my pillow every single night, and the difference in my sleep since I've started using it is astounding. I wake up every morning, and my neck feels great. Uh, I love my pillow. So here's your chance to join the MyPillow family and enjoy the best night's sleep of your life. Don't miss out on the biggest sale in MyPillow history. Remember, that's MyPillow.com, promo code DANGEROUS, or call 1-800-941-0272. Don't wait. This incredible offer won't last forever. Sleep better and feel better thanks to MyPillow. Why do you think, um, you know, in this community, you see a lot of men, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. you're, you're a woman and a mom. Why do you think um, we have a hard time getting women to be it? Because I can't be everywhere for my wife and kids, you know. And and my wife said she does jujitsu. She shoots. She's she you know she she loves all these things. She refuses to be a you know a woman crying in the corner. What are we doing wrong that women are not? You know, is there too much ego involved? Are the men too overpowering? Like how how can we attract women more to be? Uh, comfortable and being more prepared? I think, I think this is a multifaceted answer, but also I would say, I will say too, that I've noticed something very interesting as I have made the ID card is not a lucrative business for me. It was a solution to something that didn't exist that I needed. And so I was like, I'm just going to buy an ID card machine. I print them for, I ship mm. them for $7 and like covers the shipping and packages. Yeah. Right. I just wanted a solution for people. Yeah. But 
of all of the cards that I've processed and that we've run through, as I go through and look, moms fill out the forms. It's always a mom that's buying it. Mm. I mean, that's my market too. Even the moms that I know are in marriages where they deeply value the significance of being submissive. Like they put their husband and his role above everything. They're very serious about portraying that to the world in everything they do, right? Being very biblical about everything that they say, being very careful about it. Even those moms put their names first as the contact number one on the cards. Mm. I have never had somebody put a dad's name first Mm. on the card. Oh, because they know better. Well, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's very interesting to me that that's their natural instinct. It is the natural instinct of a mom. Men were, men were primitively going out to collect food and defend the village, but the women were defending the individual children and the individual units of the home. Every, I mean, every family unit I know, the mom is definitely more responsible with the well-being care of the kid. It's just normally how it plays out. But it, it was interesting to me that even in, in what they believe their, their outward beliefs, Mm -hmm. they still felt that number one protective role. It is instinctual to be protective. Now, why do they veer away from it or why do they have a lack in it? I think it's multifaceted, but I think that um, from what I've seen from the women that we've put through the course, there's a fear. They feel insignificant. They feel unqualified. Um, they feel embarrassed even to seek out guidance on that because they've been crushed a bit by ego, mm-hmm. either from someone else in the, in the tactical space, because they do view self-defense as tactical, even though, so, I mean, Colonel Jeff Cooper said safety is something that sits between our ears, not something that we hold in our yeah. hands, you know, and that's so true. It's all, all starts there with your mindset and your awareness. Um, but they view the tactical aspect of it. And as so physical mm-hmm. masculine and they've been yeah. burned. They feel uncomfortable. They feel like maybe their only option is to carry a firearm and they don't necessarily feel comfortable with that mm-hmm. level of defense yet. They don't realize that there's layers that they can begin with. They don't, they don't feel that they can relate to that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel a lot more dependent on a spouse or a partner, even though that person is not mm. there all the time, yeah. you know? Um, but I, I will say, I believe there is a very rampant feeling of unpreparedness mm. Yeah, that they, that they know that they innately feel they have. They're just not sure how to seek out the information on how to change it. Let's, let's talk about firearms. Cause so first of all, like we said, we, I grew up in Southern Louisiana. I was probably hunting by myself without any adult supervision by like seven years old. I've been around, you know, firearms my whole life. When I was 14, my brother was 15. He was, he was shot and killed. So, uh, and probably, uh, maybe avoidable with different safety protocols in the home. It was intentional, but there would probably been, uh, he probably would have lived if it would have been, um, however, like, uh, I do believe that I grew up understanding the safety, understanding what firearms could do. When I became a father, I very much like made sure my kids were exposed to weapons, like highly exposed to weapons, knew what they did. You know, I'm taking them out, showing them, showing them the damage it could, it could do, uh, teaching them the safety, you know, like the four safety rules. I never, my poor kids, I never allowed them to have toy guns uh, because I wanted them to have to realize that guns were not toys. And so every gun they had actually shot a projectile where there was an airsoft or or a paintball gun. They were allowed to have those because there were consequences with that mm-hmm. in real guns. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of moms, I've seen a lot of moms that have a lot, a pretty high level of uncomfort with, with guns in the home. And uh, whether it's their personal level of uncomfort that's passing their kids or is it fear of their kids being 
have an accident in a home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because obviously it do happen. I think um, it's just fear as a whole. Yeah. The whole concept is elusive to them. Right. And it's, and I'm, I'm with you, you know, I grew up duck hunting with my dad before school in the mornings and guns were something that we had a very healthy respect of at a young age. And it's been the same with my kids. Um, but I deeply, deeply honor the fact that that's not everybody's story. And it's very scary if that was not your story. It mm. can be. Right. And some people, some women, I've had women come through the course who are going against their husband's desires and wishes by engaging in a self-defense course, by even considering the concept of bringing a gun into the home. Wow. Oh, so the husbands don't want the gun in the home. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the women are feeling... Those aren't really husbands, so we yeah. have got issues there. <laughs> they identify public as deeper issue. That's a deeper Public issue service announcement to the men out there. It's a thing, though, you guys. It's a thing. Empower yeah. your women to if, be powerful. If you, uh, yes, yeah, so if you don't, if you call yourself a husband and don't want a gun in home, your wife does, and you're not a husband, <laughs> something else. Yeah. Could you imagine? Tangent. <laughs> yeah. Those are probably the hardest conversations for me to have. You what know, kind of woman, what, what kind of woman would want to be married to a man that? Well, they really love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They must. Mm-hmm. They must. <laughs> <laughs> they feel protected by them. Is the, they don't. They yeah. don't. Um, which you is know, why they. Which is why they're trying to protect themselves. That's right. Yeah. And I think they're trying to, through their gentleness and abiding spirit, their husband will come to also mm. believe in self defense and mm-hmm. the Second Amendment. But mm. it's interesting to hear. I didn't even think about that as a concept. As like, yeah, I didn't either. Women, yeah, yeah, it like actually kind of shocked me that women are seeking this when when oh, uh, against the y'all, there's the been a quite a few who've come wow. through the course that's interesting yeah. who yeah. are doing it against the guidance yeah and wishes of their husband Just mind-boggling to yeah. me but every day more than 22 veterans take their lives that's a devastating reality that we can no longer ignore but what if i told you that number actually is much higher according to a recent study the actual number of veteran suicides could be double the federal estimates. That means 44 veterans could be lost to suicide every single day. Whether the number is 22, 44, or one, one is too many. But there's hope. Mighty Oaks Foundation provides a lifeline for veterans, first responders, and active duty communities struggling with PTSD, depression, and thoughts of suicide. Our non-clinical, faith-based, peer-to-peer programs focus on spiritual resiliency providing our military and first responder communities to overcome their hardships of service and find a new life purpose. We know that the road to recovery isn't an easy one, but with the support of Mighty Oaks, our warriors can find the hope and healing they need to move forward. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org, and learn how you can support our mission to end the epidemic of suicide in our military and first responders communities. Together, we can make a difference. It's your inherent right to feel safe. Yeah. And especially when there's kids involved. I mean, when we run, when we run women through scenarios, this is Mike, one of Michael's favorites is to line up women and he makes sure he does all moms and one that's not a mom. And he gives them a scenario. Somebody enters their house in the middle of the night. They hear a noise. They go to check on it. And so the, the goal is they sit down the moment that they reach their decision point, which is. When are you choosing to defend life? What's your decision point? What's your criteria for defending life? Because everybody's is different, right? Your thresholds are different. There's legalities that go into making that decision. There's your own moral beliefs and standards that go into that decision. There's a lot. 
And so. And the level of training is a big factor. Exactly. Well. Yeah, what are you comfortable with at yeah. this point? Right. Yeah. And the, these scenarios are hard because it's dark. And so you can't even see if there's a disparity of force to there too, because that's a factor as well. Yeah. Right. Sure. That's a real, real life factor. And so, um, everybody's, everybody's a little different. Some people will stagger in where they sit, but when he turn when he says the person turns down the hallway where your children are sleeping, mm-hmm. every mom's on their butt. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's and mama so empowering yeah. to watch, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. my criteria is different when my kids are with me. 100%. Yeah. My threshold goes way down. Yeah. Right. It's Absolutely. only me against whatever the threat is and them. And if I'm incapacitated, my kids are sitting ducks. Yeah. Except who, for my fleers. And who's more likely, <laughs> and who's more likely to have the children. You, we covered this already. It's, it's the, it's the mom, my mom, my wife does most of all the transporting and stuff for the kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, yeah, we need to, we need to empower our, our wives and the women of our community to be able to, to protect. I think the, I think the women need to feel as if it's a relatable topic. A lot of women in the, in the tactical space too are not relatable and that's okay because they're teaching based on their skill sets and what their expertise is. And that's a beautiful thing, but for women need to see other women and moms, you know, which is why I love to get to play this role and, Sean and I were talking about this a while ago, but when women come to the course, you know, I tell them like, I don't have multiple combat tours under my belt, like these amazing guys that I work with do. And they have a perspective that we will all glean from that is irreplaceable. But my combat tours are three little children. And my relatability to you is that I feel all your fears. I felt all of them, but I'm just not okay with sitting in complacency. There's not a fear that I won't address. I'm just not going to live that way. It's never been the way I've operated. And so I find a solution for it. I've run so you can walk. And that's why I'm here is because I get you. I look like you. I live like you. And I feel fears like you. And so we're going to walk through that and navigate that together. And so there, for me, it's not ego. It's not about me in any capacity. Yeah. It's I relate to you and I understand and honor all your fears and concerns whether your husband doesn't want you to have a gun in the house or you're like me and there's no husband in your house, yeah. you know, and we are the protectors of our children. That's a huge weight to bear. And I know that they feel the gravity of it. So to say, this is a place for you where you can get the expertise. You also can get the relatability and you're safe here. I think that they just need to know that that's an option. And they have that, right? A lot of women don't even know it's available. For sure. Then I have so much to talk to you about all this and I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk to you about something that was probably most important to me in this conversation is education. Hmm. I know you homeschool. Uh, I don't even know if you call it homeschool. (laughs) You educate, you you choose to educate your children outside of public school system. I'd like you to speak, you know, quickly on the public school system and why you choose to educate your children at home. (sighs) Pull a string. Buckle up, buttercup. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's why I wanted to. (laughs) So, There's a lot of reasons, Chad. Um, I am a I am a child of the public school system. While you're doing that, I'm gonna have one of your butterscotches. It's caramel. So you guys might. Uh, oh, caramel. So she made. Don't be offensive. <laughs> yeah, but well, they are delicious. You want one? I, I I'm good right now because okay, then I'll so be chewing on it for. Since I pulled their string, I'm gonna sit back and eat one of her. Yes. She brought gifts. Go ahead. I feel. I mean, I feel like we have to start homemade, in the age van- of industry here. Homemade vanilla that you extract it yourself. From extracting vanilla and one of your hairs in here too, but <laughs> <Stop it. laughs> 
<laughs> it okay. adds flavor. Okay. I pulled the strand and now I'm going to sit back and eat your butterscotch right Tell us about <laughs> So, this is going to sound cliche, but you know, so so you, you know when people say like, everybody would die for their child, but would you live for your children? It's like, let's take that one step further. Would you lead for your children? Mm. Because in the grand scheme of things, people want to point fingers at the reason for the state of our country and the state of the world, honestly. I mean, we know all societies have all risen and they've all fallen, right? The greed of men is going to get us every time. Mm -hmm. Um, But people want to point to so many different things. It's a lack of leadership. It really is. You know, you can, you can look at um, fatherless homes. You can look at the divorce rate. You can look at woke, the woke agenda. You can look at feminism. You could look at crooked politics. It's all a lack of leadership. Um, and when I looked at the direction of the school system, the public school system, the compulsory school system, the foundation from which it was derived Mm -hmm. during the industrial revolution. I mean, the greatest advances in compulsory education were between 1905 1905 and 1915. I mean, this is the age of industry, right? We are churning things out. We need assembly lines and we needed a nation of workers Mm -hmm. and cogs in the machine. Mm -hmm. That's right. I mean, Rockefeller dumped, it's like $180 million into the general education board that he had created at the time. And so it served a purpose. And I get that, you know, I, I can't sit here. I'm not the type of person who, who would ever sit here and say, it's ridiculous. Like it's not ridiculous. It came from a foundation that had a reason for the, the nature country, the of founding it. That at that time. It did. Mm-hmm. It did. We were about to enter into world war one and then shortly after world war two. Right. And so there was a reason why it existed, but is it the best solution? Is it the best way for us for us to create critically thinking, self reliant children? I think that's the word right now, right? It's because not. critical thinking. We, we don't have critical thinkers no. in our society anymore because our education system doesn't uh, allow for it. We have test takers because they want them to pass the test. We have cogs in the machine, just so like they're all that designed yeah. is to, you know. The, the all of these tycoons were investing a lot of money into um, very efficient systems, the railway, you know, think of all the things that came about at the time and it crystallized perfectly into an education system, too. And that's what we needed. They needed good citizens. And they needed people to not question mm-hmm. what was being placed in front of them and who would be very good at following directions. And so for me, it's the same, it's the same thing as public transportation. I took my kids riding on um, the Amtrak train last month because I was, we were studying public transportation and I wanted to give them a taste of different methods of public transportation. So the Amtrak train is really fun and novel if you get on it one time, right? But it would take me 18 hours to drive to Washington, D.C., it would take me 48 hours to take the Amtrak train to Washington, D.C. Is it the most effective route to get where I need to go? No, it's not the quickest. It's definitely not the best. There's not, I'm, we're going to be mixing with people of different crowds, different demographics. Um, it's going to consume a lot of our time. It's going to waste a lot of our time. But does it serve a purpose? Absolutely. Does it get people from one place to another that couldn't have gotten there? In, a, in any other instance, 100%. But is it the best for my children, the criteria I have to lead my children? It's not. 
100%. It's absolutely not. And so public education system started off with a purpose and it served its purpose well, right? It's deeply political. That's so to say it, it, they took that system that was, that needed that time. And they've, mm-hmm. it's, over the years, it's been hijacked to, uh, to indoctrinate. Uh, yes. And so they've, you know, people have taken it without question system to indoctrinate children, ideological and political beliefs. Definitely. And so it's just not what I wanted for my children. And I, I went to a public school, but it was a very small, small town. I graduated from a class of 28. Did I have good teachers? Yeah. When I lucked out, when I had the years that I lucked out, but do I want to sit there crossing my fingers and hoping and praying every year that my kids get good teachers for 13 years? Yeah. Let's be fair. The public school system today is not like it was when we were kids and it won't be, you know, 15 years from now to be even worse, you know, unless we make a correction. And that's, that's the thing is I think that um, hopefully, and I think there is a little bit of a shift where people are starting to realize this, that uh, the fact that the public school system, the department of education can take our tax dollars and use them to educate our children on things that go against our beliefs and rights of conscience. We were just talking about this with Jim Ellis. Sure. Yeah. It's completely unconstitutional. We, we should, we need people to be able to, to have a say so in this. And, and if the, if, if that's not going to happen in the public school system, then we need to take control of our children's education. You know, we, we should take control of it on our own anyways, but I know there's some parents that struggle to, to be able to, to do that in the, you know, and homeschool their children. So there needs to be a place that, that we can have a, a well, they're coming there. You're not, now you're starting to see some alternative options. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Tim Kennedy's, uh, came up with the app, Apogee, uh, yes, school Apogee with, Academy. with Matt Bodro. Yeah. yeah. Matt's awesome. Mm-hmm. I've been on the show before. He's amazing dude. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I hope we see more, more of that. You will 100%. Yeah. People realize now that it, Oh, it, we are, our right is, is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And education really falls under all of those. And so it is time for people to allow their children to take back their education rather than receive a schooling. Where, where I see that two different things. The real change would happen. And this is one of my hopes that, you know, President Trump gets back in office as a, a school choice and mm-hmm. putting that, putting those tax dollars back to where the parent chooses. Yeah. $15,000 a student a year. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if that public school system then get that. And it went to a place like Apogee and you got a guy like Matt, Matt Boudreau. 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 Yeah. Uh, It's hard for us Cajuns. Tim Kennedy's (laughs) curriculum. He mispronounces every name. It looks like Boudreau, but it's Boudreau. I wanted to to say Boudreau. Yeah. (laughs) They called you Robichaud at Fieldcraft for the longest time. I was like, you guys are killing me. You should have heard him at the Smith and Wesson event, man. I don't even think they called his, (laughs) said his last name even close to right. Did I get Mark Smith right? Yeah, you did help. No, <laughs> no, it was who when they, they were saying when they your said name. Your name. He's yeah. saying they oh, messed yeah. up your name. Oh yeah. 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 Anyway, sorry, I, I took us off. I don't hear it anymore. There's something that you talked about earlier that I that I think is important. And I was, you know, I was talking about. I know that some parents struggle to put their children in to to homeschool their children if they feel like they have to put them in public system. But you're doing a lot as a mom, and you homeschool your children. So, in, in no shaming way or condemning no. way, but can you talk about? Yeah, that one, that one's a hard for me because it comes off. I get so fiery that it comes off as self-righteous, but it's not, it's more so the urgency. Like it makes me want to cry the urgency with which we have now as parents to raise warriors and leaders. It takes leadership on our part, Mm -hmm. leadership that looks outside 
so outside the norm, makes you extremely uncomfortable. We are such a soft nation, mm -hmm. right? And so when people say, I just can't, it's like, and you think I can't? I'm a single mother raising three kids, running an entire department for a company and a media team in my own company. Your my kids, kids are highly air. involved. And <laughs> I have to drive 45 minutes just to get to anything worthwhile to put them in. But it's a priority. Mm. And when you realize that you have no other option or you have to create another option, you mm. figure it out. Yeah. But it, your children's you priority. future. It's priority. Yeah. It's not worth capitulating to like just because that's what everybody else is doing just because your children look different than other individuals just because your children will learn at a different rate mm -hmm. it's extremely uncomfortable you have to go through a whole de-schooling process yourself you know i see so many homeschool families who struggle with holding their children to the standards of school and it's like wait you pulled them out for a reason stop mm -hmm. trying to recreate school at home and the biggest mm -hmm. excuse that people try to lean on and i think it's an excuse is they Oh, they don't want their kids to lack social skills. I'm like, what kind of social skills do you want your kids to have? There's lots of opportunity. Your son is getting social skills at jujitsu. Your daughter's getting social skills at theater. Look, if uh, you're weird, your kids are going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like true. talk to your kids, take them to places where they can have conversations yeah. with people. I don't need to expose them to a negative environment that yeah. social skills. You know, who, you know, who really nailed this and, uh, and not a Christian, not an American is Khabib, the, the MMA fighter Khabib. You know who he is? No. He was like the, He's like one of the best. The best, yeah. yeah. I think he retired from UFC at 29 and 0. Yeah, yeah. But but he he spent a lot of time in America. So he grew up in the mountains of uh of Dagestan. And, yeah. and he he's and they were asking him what you know what he learned from being in America. He's like, I can't believe these Americans send their kids to school eight, nine hours a day with a stranger. They know nothing about might have met one time who believes who don't believe the same. And they do that for, you know. 13 years of their life. And when they're 18 years old, they wonder why their kids don't believe the same. They do the same thing they do. Like they thinks he's like, that's the craziest concept in America that they would, you would do that. You, these, these teachers, you don't even know them. And more than likely they don't believe, they don't believe anything you believe. And you're going to trust them with your kids all day long. They spend more time with, he's like, do you know how many hours you reclaim if you homeschool your kids? 17,000. 17,000. Yeah. The amount of influence you have versus a teacher. That's crazy. Imagine displacing 17,000 hours for your children to be taught by a system that you, be, you believe and resonate with a small percentage of. Yeah. A pretty small percentage. And of. let's be honest. How that does that make sense? Most of the stuff taught in school is not very life applicable anyway. Like. And they're bored. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. they're not stimulated in the way that they need to be mentally stimulated, tactily stimu mm -hmm. stimulated. I mean, my son is a little boy yeah. and, and he would never be able to sit in a seat without medication and behave the way they want him to behave. No. He's not going to be a chemical experiment. But he's not supposed to. How many, how many he's kids? He's not, not made to do to. that. Yeah, that's not his, that's that's not not his how God, God didn't create him yeah. to sit in a seat for, he created him to go out and explore and yeah. break things. And but it's also and a beautiful thing when you can recognize your child's strengths and their inclinations and mm -hmm. how they learn and where they lean towards and where they lack and where they struggle. And then you navigate that individually with them. And it, I mean, it is, it breaks my heart when I think about how different it would look for them to not get the one-on-one. -on -one. And I know that is not realistic and possible for every family. Sure. Like I do like, just like I said, like public transportation, is it an option to take people from one place to another that they wouldn't have otherwise gone mm -hmm. themselves? Yes. 
but it's not the only option and it's not the best option. And if you can do better, then why wouldn't you? Like, it is uncomfortable. It really is. And inconvenient. It's deeply inconvenient, (laughs) but momentarily. Sure. Like risk versus reward analysis. It's an easy decision for me every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Like, why would I not? You know, how, why would I not sacrifice everything and figure out how to do this? It, it is, I, I think people just have never been faced with all laying it out on the table in front of them in a way that they actually have to look at the buffet and consume what their choices are, what their choice is doing, what it's leading towards. Yeah. Is anybody in here send their kids to public school? Probably. They should feel bad about it. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Which one of you guys are, or apologize in advance. Public school can be fantastic, but it's not, it's going South. It's going South. I mean, you, when you spend 13 years in public school and you can't balance a checkbook at the end of it, you can't, you know, fill out a, you can't even not capable of doing a resume, changing a tire in a car. I took home ec in Louisiana. I love cooking. I took home ec. I learned how to sew. I was and on the welding team. We're in a welding team. I, would, I think we had to take everything. We had to do like a, a portion of welding, small engine, carpet, like all that stuff we had to take. And I didn't have to take any of that stuff. You didn't have to take American it's just history. Really? Yeah. I'm going to be honest, not that difficult to teach children. You're yeah. not. And you learn yourself. When you're consistent and you expose them regularly, there's free curriculum that exists that you can use. Yeah. yeah. You know, literature is a huge, huge yeah. asset reading good books, yeah. you know, you, you don't, le- you learn a lot from teaching. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you learn one, do one, teach one. That's how you yeah. instill a skill set into yourself. Right. It's a yeah. threefold method. So definitely when you teach children, you learn. But if you are going to send your kids to public schools, then be engaged. Like I see all these mom, mama bears at the school board meetings and I don't see a lot of dads. Like, uh, you gotta be engaged in the school. Like everybody's worried about voting for the next president. Vote for your school board. But also be realistic. Like, are we reforming schools? No. You know? No. No, Because we live in a country where we have the freedom to recreate that in the ways we want to. Mm -hmm. We still have it. So do it. You band together. If you can't do this on your own, find people that are like-minded. Form your own school. Choose a curriculum that resonates with you. Obviously, choose choose a, a full English language arts so that your children know how to read and write because that's what everybody's concerned about. Choose a great math curriculum because that's an important skill set too. That's where we fall behind the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Tragically, America ranks number one in one thing, ego, when it comes to school. We have the best stadiums. We have the best Mm -hmm. music programs and we believe we are the best. But ranking wise, I think people would be shocked to see where we sit. Oh, yeah. In statistics among other developed countries. And, and, and a decline. Yeah. It's Consistently down. declining. Yeah. Yeah. I do I agree, just, though. I do agree. I mean, we need, you know, no, we're not going to abolish the public school system. And we're probably not going to reform it. But we definitely won't if we people don't go and speak yeah, out. You, you know, if, this, if you're going to choose to have your kids in public school, then you, you better be speaking. And the, and the truth of it is, is that, you know, I don't, I don't want my child's friend you know, that, that is friend and who happens to go to a public school being indoctrinated. I don't want my community being indoctrinated, you know, I mean, it's, you don't want to stand for it. Don't want to stand for it. You know, and I do know a lot of people who, who, you know, um, who live, I mean, both their parents, mom and dad, both work full-time jobs. They, they, 
You know, I they mean, can't. They they can't. Yeah. They're like hand tied. I know they want unless to, they make drastic changes. Drastic in their changes life. in their life. It's Absolutely. radical. Yeah. It is. It's it's radical. I, I was just in Maui uh, in Maui on Brandon Turner's show. Uh, amazing show, by the way. Um, if you ever get a chance to go on it, we'll recommend we'll recommend you to him because it's a really good show. And he flies you to Maui. So so. Uh, what but, more uh, did you want? Done. <laughs> but but he 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 did a really cool thing because he's busy. He's super busy. He's like, you know, a, invest, a real estate investor and he's got tons of companies and he's an author and he has podcasts. But he, uh, he got, went to homeschool his kids, but, but couldn't uh, because he's so busy. His wife's super busy and, and uh, he wasn't going to send public schools. So he got a co-op group of parents mm-hmm. and they all got together and they hired a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so uh, all the kids come to his house in the morning, the teacher shows up there and they all chip in this teacher and she's getting a full-time salary mm-hmm. uh, and they, you know, get to jump in when they want as parents. And Elon must try that. Tried that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For a while. Did it work? Before he was in school. Kinda. Oh, okay. Then he closed it, I think. Yeah. Did, but he wasn't he a homeschool kid. So, I heard somebody told me he was a homeschool kid or something. I'm not sure. Private schools aren't a bad option either, especially like, like honestly right now, Talon's in a, in a private school. Our son's in a private school. So we refuse to send him to a public school, but we're in a position where we think, in the next couple of years, he'll be homeschooled, but mm-hmm. we're not in that position right now. Uh, but that's aggressively where we're moving towards because of what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. But there's these schools like Apogee, um, Acton Academy is another one mm-hmm. um, that you can look into their, their. And a lot of people, and, and I know there's, look, I honored a lot of people are saying we're in a recession. How, like must be nice, must be a privilege. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely yeah, no way yeah. we could afford that. I get it. There are scholarships for programs like Apogee. If it, if it is your desire, you'll make it happen. You'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like you'll you start happen. knocking on doors and mountains will move. Mm-hmm. You know, there are enough people who want to be part in a bigger movement of education versus schooling. We want an educated society. We yeah. need an educated society. Yes. That's what I tell the moms that are exhausted constantly when they're talking about having to you know, I have to rearrange all this in my life just to get through this season. I'm like, we want the world for us to grow old in that these kids are going to be running. Like yeah. we cannot settle for a lesser option. We cannot settle for children that are not leaders and who have not been equipped to be leaders. And if you're, if your only option right now in this season of life is to maintain the school you're at, you can, you can supplement your school when they get home. Mm. You can spend evenings reading good literature and doing unit studies together. Um, there's so many like micro curriculums online you can do. You want to learn more about purifying water and starting fires with your kids, you know, watch some videos, do it together, learn together. You want to learn more about volcanoes with your son or dinosaurs, whatever they're interested in. Like do these small studies to figure out what your, what your children's strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And because they, they learn the same way regardless of the topic. Right. And so you learn their learning style and then you'll start to really develop learning together to even showcase that that's something that your family is capable of. Cause that's another thing too, is fear of being incapable. I'm not patient enough. Like you think I'm just naturally patient enough? Like, no, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Right. So you, you just figure it out as you go. Yeah. You dig deep and you get gritty and you, because it's important because it's a priority and there's not another option, you know? Yeah. Not many things are that are as important as that. Yeah. Hey, uh, Amber, we could like literally could talk all day on this. I know he and I both, but, uh, where can people find out more? Cause there's so much, there's so much more. Where can people Follow you, find out more, take some of your courses. I know you have some online content. 
yeah. and then uh, and then some of the, the courses that you actually teach at. So you can find all of our courses at fieldcraftsurvival.com, mm-hmm. um, all of our trainings there. And um, I actually have an online course at amber-elle.com. Mm-hmm. So it's on training children in public safety. A lot of the stuff you were talking about. Yes. Yeah. ID cards, like teaching them safe adults, code words. That's really important mm-hmm. too. Um, but then at Fieldcraft too, we just developed an app. It's a streaming app. And so nice. you can download that mm-hmm. on all major streaming devices, smart TVs, smartphones, things of that nature. And it's just the Fieldcraft survival app. And so it's subscription based, but we have long form education behind a paywall. So everything I talked about today, um, mindset, our self-defense courses, Home women safety, in firearms, personal safety, and Mike's paywall, like Fieldcraft paywall is not like a big spin for what you get out of it. No, it's, I mean, it's a monthly fee, just like yeah. any other streaming service. Yeah. And it's um, good. The quality of content. And it's not so just good. me. It Like that's, that's the content I've put out on the app, sure. yeah. but we have full mobility content. Michael teaches self-defense and firearms courses. Um, we have medical courses. We have survival and bushcraft courses. There's a ton. So it's like, um, season based with multiple episodes per season. So it's, it builds and it grows. So yeah. I did one on concealed carry for women. And so it's like 16 or 17 episodes on concealed carry in pants, in skirts, in dresses. If you're pregnant, if you're breastfeeding, if you are. Oh, that's if you're breastfeeding, you can do it all day long. (laughs) They have the the flaps that come down and you put all kinds of guns in there. If you're plus size, because that's a question I get too is like, well, what if I have, you know, I have Mm. a little more meat on my bones. How Mm. can I carry? So I brought in models. We tried different concealment methods on them. Like whole nine yards, figure it all out. Um, and then those seasons build. And so it's great. It's a great way to not get demonetized and still have all of your content <laughs> on a, long, yeah. a long-term yeah. training yeah. format. We, we're probably moving that way eventually. We, we tried, but we, we will move that way yeah. with, with the show actually. Um, and then on Instagram, I know you're very active on Instagram. Yeah, that's my Miss main platform. Amber L M S dot Amber dot E L L E. So follow her there. Yeah. And follow Fieldcraft. Survival. Yep. And uh, share this episode because uh, we, we never ask. Uh, we usually don't close out with asking to share this episode, but share this episode because so many parents out there are looking for yes. uh, resources of uh, you know how to be prepared as parents, as individuals. So definitely share this episode. Uh, awesome having you on. Thanks. You're staying for our gala. Yeah, it's going to be so, so fun. So, yeah. Got, the, got kid, the kids, the kids here. here. Yeah. We're going to get all dressed up and, and ball dresses. And They're ready to look and, dapper. Yeah. We're super excited to have you here. I'm excited so. too. Well, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we've got Amber L here, staying dangerous. God bless.